It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. This is City Talk 105.9. I'm Neil Atkinson. Opposite me is Dave Downey. We're going to talk about that in a second. Before that, like a very, very good centre-half uh, in a sweeper system, I'm going to clear up for uh, for, for Steve. Uh, we didn't get to do the weather there. So uh, the weather is as follows. The headline is this. Windy with blustery showers, which may be heavy or thundery. Uh, this is um, today persistent and at times heavy rain. will ease this morning to leave a windy day with good sunny spells. Some showers will develop. Uh, I don't know when this is from. This is from ages ago. This is from this morning. Tonight, some heavy showers will continue through the night, that's the key bit, though some clearer spells too. The winds will glad- gradually ease and it will be a chillier night than recently. Uh, tonight's minimum temperatures, Liverpool 9 degrees Celsius, 48 degrees Fahrenheit. There's a further outlook, Dave. Go on. Uh, Tuesday, winds continuing to ease <coughs> gradually throughout the day, but some gusty showers. These uh, most frequent in the west. They may be heavy or thundery. Cooler than of late, maximum temperature will be 13 degrees Celsius and 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Outlook for Wednesday to Friday. Wednesday may be calmer with light winds and uh, some good sunny spells. Further night, further rain overnight into Thursday with winds picking up again, but brighter on Friday. Now, I want to discuss the concept of forecasts. Well, you know, just before you carry on, Steve's one of those meticulous bosses who's uh, always looking around for new talent and things like that, and he's standing right behind you now looking at how well you read that out. He's always looking for the next talent on here. That's, that's, it's like the, uh, it's like the, like the X Factor of City Talk, yeah. that's what this is. Um, I think that we, we'll talk about the concept of forecasts in a second, uh, but I want to also pick up on something else that was in the news. Steve Graves, who's uh, the Liverpool Echo's chief reporter and has covered uh, the uh, Hillsborough scandal um, intensely over the last 12 months, uh, states that the BBC have responded to the Hillsborough footage claim also mentioned in the news they say it was not lost but transferred to a different footage in line with industry practice uh, Tony Barrett then said what does that mean Steve is it still available to be viewed Steve Graves said it is the issue is whether the original footage and the original quality can be viewed and that that was discussed and raised at the last inquest um, inquest hearing as to whether or not quality is lost so that will be developing as things go um, but let's talk about forecasts <laughs> just off this because the big thing everyone forgets about forecasts when people is, is that essentially they're percentage shouts mm. that could be right and could be wrong, Dave. Um, so, for instance, everything I've just said there, they'll probably be feel as though these people who forecast, they're pretty certain about tonight, which is that there'll be heavy showers which will continue through the night and some clearer spells. But when you, when it comes to discussing Tuesday, they're not as sure. When it comes to discussing Wednesday and Friday, they're not as sure. But... We can do the same thing with football matches. Let's look at Everton's November run, Dave Downey. Let's talk about the Evertonian November. The Evertonian November is, I think, the most interesting November in football at the moment. Three home games for Everton in November. Three home games before a very, very, very tough December when this side now currently sits in sixth place in the table with 18 points. Dave... How positive are you? Um, you know what? This weekend, it's almost a watershed moment for me on Saturday because I, I was able to attend my first away game in, in several years. And I know a lot of people be having a go on Twitter. Oh, he doesn't even go to game. Well, I'm here every week at Radio City producing the football and content and what have you. Um, so it was a pretty special occasion for me to get down to Villa. And oh, I absolutely fell in love with it again, all over again. <laughs> I don't want to do Saturdays anymore. I, I just, honestly, it was just amazing. You need to find a new job, Abs- not in football. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> Brilliant day, fantastic day, met some fantastic people, some great fans of the show, both what we do on the Blue Room as well, so it was a really, really good day out, and um, watching, watching your team win away from home was pretty, pretty special, and uh, I wasn't overly enthralled with what I've seen performance-wise, uh, I thought, you know, Villa could have been out of sight feasibly, uh, there was, the penalty Tim Howard saved was absolutely fantastic, but 
it was one of those games where I think so many times in the past would have easily lost or drawn and I was really and that's given me great optimism looking ahead to the fixtures because absolute mouthwater inside this weekend against Spurs Crystal Palace away who knows uh, Tony Pulis is probably to be a banker Tony Pulis is setting up camp right now I've heard there's TPs and everything <laughs> and brick walls going up outside the Palace it's got to be a banker I don't know um, but I, I think we'll beat Spurs because uh, I mean, I don't know if you heard uh, V.S. Boas after the game. Damning of his own support. Absolutely, and I think uh, I think that's so unnecessary to come out and say. I think you're making all sorts of trouble for yourself if you come out with stuff like that. I think Spurs are fascinating. I think that, as I say, I think this is the most interesting. I think you've got two very, very interesting um, home games, one against Spurs, one against Liverpool, coming up in November. Uh, to talk about the Spurs game for a second, and, and, and what V.S. Boas said. Mm. I mean, I did, I did almost in part feel like saying to V.S. Boas, you want to get up and down the country, mate? Yeah. <laughs> you you want to go and see how bad it is at City some mm. weeks, how bad it is at Liverpool? some weeks you want to go and yeah. you know go and have a look at, at how dead old traffic can be you want to have a good look around but you know it, it, there is a point to be made and I, I quite like the it's <coughs> a manager who's finally said good lord we shouldn't have to be making more noise than this yeah. and, and uh, you know it's it, it, you'll get into trouble for it but I think I'm, in my mind it, there's, a, there's an element of no fair play to him for this fair play to him but all that said Spurs haven't played well the converse of that though was last couple of games you would have said Everton aren't playing that well but they're picking up results and Spurs are very much picking up results um, Spurs have only managed to score nine league goals in nine games so far and yet sit with 19 points in fourth place you know there's there's something you can go either way on this can't you Dave you can either go what happens when the results when it stops going for you or you can think what happens when it clicks mm, yeah it's funny we were talking about this last week you almost get caught up in, in this there's always got to be something to moan about hasn't there and we know it is Liverpool and Everton fans all too well you know Liverpool sitting pretty second third going along very very nicely yet there's still someone out there going on oh, yeah, but we're not playing well uh, where's this nice passing football that we were promised from Brendan going back to the 80s there's always something to moan about and you know I, I think you, you and the lads on the outfield rap have uh, hit the nail on the head and I think in the last you know the last few months when you've said you know what let's just enjoy it let's just enjoy the day enjoy the occasion enjoy the game whatever it may bring start enjoying football again rather than having a moan come what may and I think certainly that seems to be what they've caught at Spurs I was watching the uh, the TV a little bit earlier on, seeing some of the fans outside White Hart Lane, and they're saying, "Oh, you know, the, 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 you know, we're not getting the ball to our wingers anymore." Lennon, you know, we used to play this fast, fast yeah. football down the flanks. It's not happening anymore. You're winning games one 0 every week. What more do you want? Well, you're winning the football matches, and I think that what happens is that people they become anxious. I think supporters become mm. anxious, and then you know these, you do start to dwell on the negative. And it's <clears throat> let's be honest about this: one nils with 80th minute winners are a great habit to have if you're going to go on to win things. But if you're actually watching the game week in week out and you don't believe and I think that's the key point you don't believe in the side that's in front of you's ability to win things then I think that's where you can become quite down disheartened as a supporter you can become quite downcast because it's about if you're if that's Manchester United or Manchester City and they've had Spurs at the start of the season then they're all looking at each other going yeah because we know we've two years ago we won the league if you're City if you're United we won the league last year we know we know that this has got we've got another gear and that we go on to challenge for silverware whereas I think a lot of the times the supporters need convincing more than the players mm. I suspect there's probably more belief in Spurs' ability to kick on from the position that they're in in the Tottenham Hotspur dressing room than there is in any grabbed 20, 25 mm. Tottenham supporters you could do whether they were at the game on Saturday or not so I think that's very, very interesting but to, you know, to, to focus on Everton in this it's an opportunity it's a huge opportunity for Everton there to, to, to lay a marker down and to say that this season really will be one wherein Everton are going to be there until you know 
making a big, big play for a top four place. Yeah, and I can't see why not now because the the, the personnel is there to change games. I mean, there were more than a few of us scratching our heads when Leon Osman comes on for Stephen Pina, and. I, I, I thought he might may have taken McCarthy off as he was on that yellow card, uh, which I, I did think was a red card, by the way. Um, I thought he was going to come on for him, just to spare him, you know, the obvious, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what happens if he does get a second yellow card. And he brought him on for Pina, and he totally transformed the game. I'm not Leon Osman's biggest fan by a long, long way. I know a lot of Blues love him. He's he's one of the boo boys, as as you as you like. If you like him, it was like Dirk Cout at Liverpool. If the team's not playing well, he's the one you instantly point to who's not playing well. He come on, played in the hole, sim- similar to the role Barkley did, and I thought he was phenomenal. When he got the ball, he was, he was really clever. For some reason, Leighton Baines decided like he wanted to play. I want to talk a little bit more in depth about him, um, because a lot of fans are starting to notice now this isn't the Leighton Baines, certainly of before August the 31st. So um, he, he got he got him to come out of his shell a little bit more. To be fair to Baines, that's probably to do with how we're playing more than his actual attitude, because he's still a consummate professional, in my opinion. What's changed, then, in the way in which he's deployed? He's... Where he would, I mean, he has missed Pina, I think, first and foremost. Um, obviously, Pina started against Villa, but even even so, Baines didn't look his normal self, as in getting forward as much as possible. Now, he, he wasn't exactly pinned back, which is the, the immediate thought you'd have. With Nathan Baines not being so effective, you think they play a high pressing game, keep him pinned to his left back slot. It wasn't that, he just it just had a reluctance to stay as a flat back forward this time. Now, the other thing I noticed that probably goes hand in hand with that, um, and it's something I had a good moan about actually, this game when we've got a goal kick and when we're playing out from the back and obviously you'll, you'll have experienced it at Liverpool each each centre half goes to the corner of the 18 yard yeah. box for the ball to be deployed by Howard Sylvan Distan gets that ball and I love Sylvan Distan I think he's a fantastic defender it's not his game he gets the ball rolled to his feet Leighton Baines is making a run up that touchline Distan's hesitating hesitating and then it results in a long ball or something. He, he tries to pull something off that simply isn't there. He's not the player to do that. That sort of worries me. You, yeah. you know, when you're playing teams that will press you high. Yeah. I did mention Southampton yes. last week. Um, and obviously that'd be a, lo- a load of fun if we're playing that game when we come to face them. Indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Southampton look as though they've got no intention all season <laughs> of taking a single backward step. <laughs> uh, they, they, they've, they've, they've I think they're still much, running now. Yes. Uh, they're very much, very much laid that one out there. The other, the, the other thing that was interesting was the, the manager um, Martinez went to great lengths I thought to praise Barry in the aftermath of the game it, it, again we've, we, he's a player we do keep touching on on this show at the moment but he's the sort of player who, who does help you turn what would be 1-0 defeats since in prior seasons to nil nils turn then those nil nils into a situation when you're able to get get ahead and get, get, get yourself in the game and make it 2-0 there was a lot of sloppy play on on Saturday in the midfield from both teams. Uh, I, I was I was actually quite excited to see Fabian Delph because I heard rave reviews that he'd come on a lot and looked to be the player that he promised to be when he comes through at Leeds. He didn't really show much for me. Neither did McCarthy, um, and it was tailor made for. Barry to have that game where there's a second ball there to be won, there was a header to be won, there was one there to chest down and lay it off, he did all that, that's that's his A game, it's his bread and butter to a player of his experience and of his ilk and that's exactly what he did, there were plenty of loose balls for him to mop up and it, it was it was a tailor-made game for Gareth Barry because their, their midfield, I mean first, first 20, it, it took us a while to get going he started the second half was almost identical as well probably even worse mm. but throughout that 
that I think Gareth Barry relishes that sort of game. I think um, when you look at the players who want to get the ball down and play, I think Gareth Barry will think, hang on, I'm up for this challenge if there's a 50-50 going in midfield. It's good to see as well that you know the manager feels prepared to, 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 to hook Barkley on 60. I think you, we've touched on the Osman aspect yeah. of this, but the, the pulling of Barkley, I think you know that's nine consecutive <clears> starts he's had there. These things do take a toll, and I think I, I always think we underestimate the mental toll mm. that it takes. And you know, certainly for a younger player, you're not used to that intensity of football. You will have games where you switch off, and it's you know it's very direct there from the manager on sixty to go. No, I've seen enough from you today. Don't you know? I'm sure it'll be a don't worry about it at all situation. We come back refreshed, but that's what he's done with them there. You know, he's very much gone. No, it's time for t- time for something different. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to speak too soon, but I, I really do like his in-game management. I, th- I think it's been, and, and aside from the obvious, oh, he brought Pinan on, he scored with his first touch last week, and he brought Osman on and changed the game against Aston Villa. Yeah, they're all well and good. There's a, a high percentage of luck involved in those. Sort of changes. The the sort of thing that I'm impressed with is that the likes of Hawking Barkley and saying, Well, look, it's not your day. I mean he, he hit the crossbar, I think, midway through the first half with a deflected effort. There were several things that you associate with Ross Barkley that he did, too many touches, um, not pulling the trigger when he should have is the my biggest bugbear with him because he got a cracking left and right foot shot on him. Yeah. And he seems so reluctant to pull the trigger, he'll drag the ball back and look for a pass. Normally it gets intercepted and I, I saw Sort of, I want him to go against his natural instincts in, in a lot of positions with Ross Barkley. And the only thing I hope that doesn't happen is the fact that he, it was probably one of his poorer showings this season against Aston Villa. Yes, he got hooked on 60, but I still think he, st- he needs to keep starting games. Oh, of course. Yeah. I, I think it'd be detrimental to his progression if he's put on the bench now and you give Naismith a go up. The, the only thing you could say is that you, you could make an argument maybe if, if, if Everton was still in the League Cup. Mm. I think th- with the League Cup games this week, I think it's hurting both Liverpool and Everton, the fact that the exercises at the stage that they did, mm. uh, just to give people an opportunity. We can talk about that after the break. We'll talk more about Everton and we will talk a little bit about Liverpool, though I do believe you've just had a fantastic hour if you're a Liverpool supporter <laughs> on City Talk 105.9. This is all in the game. Don't go anywhere. It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9. Good evening. This remains all in the game. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey with you through until 7 o'clock here on City Talk 105.9. So, Dave, I mean, we, we were still, I'm happy to keep talking about Everton, really, if, you, if you're telling me that it was undernourished the previous hour of extra time. <laughs> I'm prepared to uh, prepared to trust your judgment on that. I want to talk a little bit, well, I'm happy to talk about Everton's game. I'm intrigued to talk about Villa. You know, Villa now have only won one home game so far this season. They're in a position where, you know, it's, it's not gone quite as swimmingly as it threatened to do early on with those early couple of performances that they put in. It's they remain a strange football team. Yeah, it was it was a very similar performance. I watched them closely against Spurs last week, and um, when they, they brought Benteke on off the bench against Spurs, and it obviously gave them a, a new lease of life and a slightly different dimension. Having said that, it wasn't the impact you, you necessarily thought it would have been, and uh, I very much felt the same on Saturday. The I mean, it, 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 that penalty goes in; it's probably a totally different game. So there are fine margins, but. Um, I mean, they're, they're, I've, uh, I'm not I'm not one for criticising football fans, but the, their home support wasn't great. Uh, obviously, a lot to do with how things have deteriorated down there in recent years since since O'Neill left and the lack of uh, 
finances they have themselves. Aside from that, though, uh, I was was excited about seeing Delph. I was excited about seeing Wyman as well. And both sort of flattered to deceive a bit. Agbon Lahore was flat. Uh, Agbon Lahore's a funny footballer. Yeah, he's, really funny. He's um, a very, very odd player, I think. He's, 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 nowhere, he's simultaneously nowhere near as good as he should be. And you simultaneously feel as though he shouldn't be playing at the level he's playing at. Uh, all these things manage. He, he, yeah. he, he encourages cognitive dissonance, basically, Gabby Agbon Lahore. It's very, very difficult uh, as a footballer. And then, it, you know, in about three weeks' time, he'll score two and set up a third and look fantastic against a decent side. And the thing is, as well, he normally turns it on against Everton. He, I've seen him times at Goodison. He's looked unplayable. Uh, so much so that I think David Moyes used to cater for him specifically. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember the FA Cup game. I think he basically told Tony Hibbert to man mark him. Uh, we all know that finished the penalty and uh, <laughs> bye bye Hibbo. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he was he was very very flat, very poor. Um, Villa, yeah, very very strange side. I think they they love teams to come onto them and uh, by. At default, I don't know whether Everton was just flat on the day, but Everton not reverting to the natural game probably worked in Everton's favour more than you'd like to think because they didn't press so high. There wasn't that high tempo to start with. Everton sort of sat off a little bit and basically said to Villa, you know, let's see what you've got. And it wasn't a lot in truth. And it, it was probably only various little spells in the first half when Everton attacked Villa come back at them that was when they probably should have scored they had two great chances uh, after the penalty miss Benteke misses pretty simple chance against Howard and uh, Howard made another great block as well when uh, Vyman goes through one on one big game for the goalkeeper this isn't it it seems as though yeah. you know it's very much it's, it's very much his man of the match performance it's very much his three points yeah I was, I was I've been overly critical of Tim Howard for a while I say overly critical because that's because he had a fantastic game but uh, I think justly He's come under the spotlight, I think, increasingly this season. Uh, having said that, Saturday he couldn't fault him. It's a fantastic penalty saver. It's the firmness of the hand that he gets to the ball. Exactly, yeah. Ben Teke hits that well. It's yeah. not. It's not a score feat. It's not. A, it's not a bad. It's not that bad a penalty. You've no. seen worse penalties. Height-wise, obviously, is the first thing you look at, but. It's one of those penalties that even if the keeper gets a hand to it, it's probably going to go in. And it was a really firm, strong left hand that he got to the ball, tips it over the bar, and uh, the save, uh, Benteke's second effort at goal when he went through one-on-one with him was very predictable, but still had to, the stop had to be made. And Howard is a weird goalkeeper for me, Tim Howard, because there's, there's times when he, he looks really, really good and he, he doesn't have a lot to do in games. And I think that's sort of his downfall for me. Those occasions when we don't see him called into action a lot, it's those occasions that the one or two occasions in a match and he does cock up, that's when you think, hang on, is he all that good? Is he, should yeah. he be playing in goal for Everton? Because the, the opposition only get one, two chances a game. And if he's still making those mistakes, then. You know, you, you well, do that, question him. That is the hardest part about being a goalkeeper, and certainly yeah. I think it's it's interesting that how long Howard's been at Everton now. You know, maybe he doesn't. He, he could be the sort of keeper who wants to be employed more than he actually is. I think that's always been the difficulty <clears> that you have with goalkeepers. I always think that you know people discuss David James at Liverpool, and and and, and the, the the narrative is he got on, he sorted himself out, and he became a better goalkeeper. I would simply say, you can argue. He's obviously improved. Everyone improves in some regard, but but the critical factor is David James. After he left Liverpool, only only kept goal for sides where who wherein his goal was likely to see a lot of action. Mm. And his his primary issue when he was at Liverpool was the concentration aspect. So I think if you feel as though if you as a goalkeeper you're consistently in the game, then I think you do a lot better. And I think that's where um, Pepe Reina seemed to decline a little bit for Liverpool as well in the last first two three years. You know when he 
you know, he would often go 89 minutes with nothing to do. Yeah. He then was was ready to be called upon, whereas, you know, he, he's then he, that seemed to go out of his game a little bit since post 2010. Um, not least because possibly because he just almost wasn't engaged as, as much because Liverpool weren't looking like a side that were going to win trophies. You know, he almost needs to be at the, the very top end of football. Mignolet's interesting in that regard. Made a good save at the weekend, um, point-blank range late on, uh, because Liverpool at the moment, the way in which they play and the way in which they're set up, and, and to come on to talk about Liverpool, there will be periods in the game where they are actually going to give away a lot of chances. Mm. And there's no real answer to this uh, in terms of th- the way Liverpool currently are playing the w- every single side will have a chance against them at some point so it's almost as though having the goalkeeper there who's more used to that and whose primary function is to very much save things I think helps um, and that's that's what Mignolet does he's, he's a fantastic shot stopper not just getting things not just saving things but the one he saved at the weekend he got it up and he got it out for a corner got it away when it was it was just above his head and he was practically on the goal line such strong hands to do that and it, it, it seems kind counterintuitive at the weekends you know, to start talking about Liverpool and to talk about the goalkeeper first but I do actually think it was when that pressure came on from West Brom it was very strange Dave that they, they, they offered very little for Liverpool against Liverpool sorry for you know for, for, for I'd say about 55 minutes of the game and then they suddenly turbocharged themselves it, it was as though someone had just sort of hit them all with an injection of EPO mm. and they went wow this is let's go it's time to go boys yeah. and, uh, and and they had a bit of success Martin Kelly came on for Johnson I thought it weakened Liverpool's options and suddenly they were, they were flashing the ball across the box and Liverpool were ner- looking nervy under set pieces and things like that you know the obvious sort of stuff that I think again my thing about nervy, nervy against set pieces Name me a side that doesn't at times look nervy against set pieces, but I think the problem is at the moment Liverpool have recently conceded too many soft ones from set pieces, so it's very much in everyone's heads, including the opposition, and that's the key point, mm. that you can get at Liverpool from set pieces. And then it just sort of developed from there, really, this, this period of pressure, which culminated in the oddest penalty decision I've seen for a long time. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, that. that was, uh, I, I, it was I, mad in the ground. Yeah, it must have been, <laughs> because it, I think it must be the longest time possible for a liner to put his flag and start waving. waving. The refs, hang on. Are you sure you want to do that? He must have said, turn down that mic. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, well, it was. It, it basically does, he does nothing, and the referee's given it, and they haven't appealed, and it plays on, and then he starts waving the flag, and he's waving it for ages. He's like Leslie Nielsen in the Naked Gun with the, <laughs> with the, with the, with the, with the baseball slides and all this sort of stuff. He's waving the flag, he's waving the flag, and he actually got the impression the referee was trying not to look at him. Like, let's just let's just pretend this hasn't happened. Because the referee had the better view, and I do, it's fascinating to me because there's a fellow there waving a fluorescent yeah. flag, but there's this other fellow who's got the better view. You, but this fellow with this fluorescent flag is adamant he's right. Can so this, the referee overrule that decision? I, well, that's that's what that's what I would like to know because he, he goes and gives it, and I, th- I presume there's some sort of mechanism to ungive it. But he doesn't go and directly speak to him. He went over there to usher the players away. You didn't yeah. see him. I used to love it, but before they had the radio link up, when you'd see the referees go over and have the closed mouth conversation, yeah. where in one would put the hand over on the other one so no one could lip read. Sky trying to get the exclusive Everyone, over the shoulder shot. Ev- everyone's yeah. trying to get in there and all that sort of stuff. And I used to love that. But you know, the ones you're right to say he probably had had some form of conversation but you honestly he was the referee couldn't have been closer and he's not given anything and no one knows who's given the penalty away which of the Liverpool players has done it because <laughs> <laughs> about three of them that were involved but it looked like there was just no foul and then that's where you end up and you know he's waving it and waving it and waving it and I was just thinking he's trying he's trying to try to avoid his eye yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but don't see it it hasn't happened yeah. um, but you know it's 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 the sort of thing that you can find funny when you win 4-1 if it felt it turned the game yeah. and, and you know West Brom did build some pressure around that goal um, you know if, if, if you'd have felt like it had turned the game then it'd be a different kettle of fish but it was it was a uh 
we were all worried about West Brom. All the Liverpool supporters were worried about West Brom, and and, and I, I I numbered myself amongst them. But ironically, I think um, they're the very opposite of Southampton in the way in which they approach the game. Their natural way to play is very much what Liverpool want to face every week at Anfield. Mm. Uh, sitting back, um, letting Liverpool have the ball, looking to cover spaces and all that sort of stuff because Liverpool have got in the two forwards. But also, you know, other players who either didn't feature in that game or us, Steven Gerrard and even Henderson and Glenn Johnson, they've got, uh, they've, Liverpool got four or five players who can stand you up and beat you. And therefore, they can create space and create gaps. In Henderson, they've got this perpetual movement, which was, it was pulling them around a little bit. Suarez and Sturridge were taking turns to drop in to give problems for the holding midfielders. And basically, Lucas Lever had loads of options in front of him. He had the two midfielders, he had the two forwards, he had the two wing-backs. Every time he looked up, this, they, they were Lucas's options. He could go square to his centre-half, and no-one was pressing him. For the first half an hour, no-one was getting close to him. So Lucas was just standing there going, all right, great. I'll go this way, I'll go this way. And constantly looking to go forward, go forward early, go forward quickly, and then pull them out of shape. So I think <clears throat> if you're listening to this and you're an opposition coach, um, very much get on the front foot at Anfield yeah. is the thing. It might feel like a counterintuitive move, but I do think that, that Liverpool would struggle with that a lot more, someone who gets right up and right in their face. Yeah. And so, you know, for all the reasons, I think beforehand we were going, could be tight this, West Brom, they know how to keep a clean sheet, etc., etc. All it needs for Liverpool is for one of... Suarez and Sturridge to play really well is for Gerard to have his 7 out of 10 game uh, for Johnson to have his 7 out of 10 game and Liverpool are going to create chances mm. <clears throat> that's the reality well looking on as a neutral now I was talking good friend of mine he told me to say hello tonight actually Kev's name is he's a season ticket holder in the cop uh, and he just moved into a new house as well he told me to mention we're not one for shout outs on this show by the way so that's 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 your lot that's your, your yearly shout yeah. out uh, it's alright because Kev's the only fellow listening to it sounds yeah we're fine yeah you know <laughs> he boosts the rating so you know we'll, we'll take it um, I, was, I was saying to him that as a neutral, you know, I mentioned on the Anfield Wrap a few weeks ago um, about how it's ominous the way Liverpool play. And you mentioned how teams know they're going to get chances mainly from set pieces. The thing, the thing that worries me as a neutral at best, uh, looking at across best. As, as a rival, uh, is the fact that that can happen, but you can equally still go up the end, the other end, and blow teams away. That's what I'm fearful of with this Liverpool side because you, you can be bang average at best throughout the, the rest of the side from Gerard backwards, but you've, with them too, it, it it just seems it, it's just it, it's such a, a contrast. I think to how poor you can be from one end of the pitch on set pieces. I mean, I, I see Liverpool fans when you do concede the goal from a set piece, absolutely irate all over Twitter saying, you know, this isn't what you'd see on Sunday League. To the sublime efforts on the other the other end of the pitch. That's what that's what worries me about Liverpool. Uh, just before we'll going to a break, and we'll talk about the other end of the pitch just after the break. I think the thing that's now striking me from the set pieces is you can't say they're not big lads. Mm. I had a little look at them when they were coming out on Saturday and uh, Suarez is six foot tall and I think he was the shortest player to take to the pitch you can't say they're not big lads and this is the big thing now is that mm. you know looking through the Liverpool side Henderson's walking at about 6 Gerrard's walking at 6-2 you've got the three centre-halves in there Glenn Johnson's 6-1 so Soko looks to me he might be 5-10 to 6 but he's powerfully built and he should you know he's, yeah. he's a unit you know there should, yep. there should be something in there so I think that's the problem the problem is if, if, if it was still you know if it, oh Lucas Lever sorry he's obviously the shortest Lucas Lever's about 5-9 but if it was still Joe Allen Raheem Sterling uh, Suso as it was at times last season mm, you could at least Shaheen, go well yeah. say what you like these aren't big lads but they are mm. we're going to talk about the other end of the pitch though. we're going to talk about Suarez and Sturridge just after this don't go anywhere all in the game everything and anything football it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9 
It remains all in the game. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. We're going to talk to you now about uh, about that Liverpool front two, about what they're capable of. I think uh, the fascinating thing about them, Dave, is that they is this way in which they both appear to be working together, but also working separately. Mm. That's what I got a big sense of at the weekend. Storage's goal is an individual piece of beauty. Uh, it's it is divine. Uh, it was right in front of me, and I was convinced it was a miss hit ball to Gerrard, right <laughs> up until it was in the back of the net. <laughs> and then I was absolutely gobsmacked uh, by it. And then, you know, you've got Suarez's opener, which is just phenomenal in terms of exactly what he's done to Jonas Olsen, um, which spiritually and um, it should happen every week to Jonas Olsen, that, I think. Yeah. I think we could all concur on that. He needs that to keep grounded, doesn't he? He very much needs that to keep grounded. Um, it, it actually made me soften towards Jonas Olsen because you can be a horrific, disgusting yard dog, but as long as that can still happen to you, then I'm all right with it. Yeah. You can you can keep being Jonas Olsen week in, week out now because he, what he's got there is practically pure. Um, <laughs> and then you've got... Um, You've also then got the, you know the, the the two headers. One the the, the sec the second goal that header the the speed it's going at from eighteen yards out into the top corner. It's spectacular stuff to do that. Just just the physical achievement of that. But the third one, and I'm going to talk about the third one of all the goals. I'm going to pick the third one out <laughs> because it's Gerard's quality uh, in terms of the set piece. But this is now the weird thing about Suarez. One, he's become clinical, and two, he now scores all the goals because that made me think of Les Ferdinand. Yeah. You know, the, the funny thing was, I, I said it after seeing it on Match of the Day on, on Saturday night, how good is he in the air? Yeah. It's, it's ludicrous how good it was. It was like uh, almost to the same extent of Ronaldo, Man United. Thinking, hang on, this this lad's a right winger. He crosses the ball for others predominantly. Suarez, fantastic footwork. You don't associate these players with headers. All of a sudden, Ronaldo comes up and hangs in the air for like three, four seconds. Yeah. Suarez is fantastic, powerful heading technique. John Barnes used to score about eight rare headed goals a season. The commentators yeah. were saying <laughs> yeah. there's another rare headed goal yeah. from John Barnes, and uh, no, it's just another headed goal from yeah. John Barnes. I think you'll find, and this is it you don't associate him with it but he's and he's making the runs much more I mean, we actually discussed it on the Anfield rap and we, he's making the runs much more almost at times with the conventional striker like he he's now comfortable enough to do that mm. he doesn't and I think it is massively because of storage he doesn't feel he's got to do it all so he's now more relaxed he, he's coming across more relaxed mm. and there's uh, Sturridge's quotes about the help he's been getting from Steve Peters. You know, that's, I think, he, and in the essence of that is relaxation. Mm-hmm. And this is something I wanted to touch on today about those front two because they're clearly, Sturridge is technically so good. I mean, he was frustrating at times on Saturday, but he seemed to be enjoying his football. He seemed to be so relaxed. He was, before he scored, about 10 minutes before he scored, and I don't think they showed out match of the day, but he, he mimed a man in front of the cop. He mimed a man who's frustrated and trying to dance. Really? That's what he did about 10 minutes before, <laughs> and then he said that he scored his goal. Um, so, yeah, after he scored, he scores it, and then he goes back to the cop afterwards, does all of his own celebration stuff and, and, the, and the religious aspects, and then he's going back to the cop. Like, you should be cheering that more. Yeah. You shouldn't have stopped yet. You should still be cheering that, and his song's beginning to come through, which is a very good, solid one. You know, he, he came across like a man who's very much at peace and relaxed with what he's doing, and so does Suarez. Mm. And this is what I want to talk about, really, this current... And I really hope it doesn't start up around the derby. Because what occurred to me when I was thinking about both Liverpool and Everton at the moment, and I remember we had, we had Greg O'Keefe on um, on All in the Game the week you couldn't make it. We had a chat to Greg. I, I mentioned Martinez's comments about mental health he made at the weekends, and Greg said, Martinez, every single player who doesn't make the 18 and then it doesn't get on, um, Martinez speaks to. 
and explains why. I didn't know that. And he explains to them why the decision he's made, the decisions that he's made, and um, and what they need to do and how they can go away and work. And they may agree, they may disagree. They get the opportunity to to, to express themselves, but then they go away with this piece of information from the manager that they can then go work on, work with, and become better players with. And also, they feel included. It's not just this. I'm not playing. He's not looking at Demonous, me. Forward. Yeah, yeah. It's very much. You're still part of the group. You're still in my thoughts to the point that you're in my office and we're talking about this. And that's what he does. Every single game, every with, with with the players who don't make it, and I think that that's really interesting because I think that the thing for all the criticism of Rodgers in terms of when he first came to Liverpool, the way he's spoken, you know, that the David Brent lazy trope mm. that you know was never quite the case, or that he talks too much, or X, Y, or Z. I think the key thing is. And he still gets criticism now for praising Gerrard every week, but I think that one of the key things is those players feel safe. Liverpool's players at the moment feel safe, they feel relaxed, they feel involved. Even the ones who aren't playing are part of the group. For all the do-it-for-Lucas jokes, you know, there's very much, it feels as though that those Liverpool players do have a relationship with one another. Suarez and, Stur- Suarez and Sturridge is very interesting. They appear to get on, but it did seem like after Suarez had scored two on Saturday, Sturridge was desperate for yeah. one. You know, there's, there's, there's a healthy rivalry there, but there appears to be obviously a huge amount of mutual respect they very much play with each other and go, coming through that the, the, the whole setup feels you know Colo Torre's arrival what Colo's brought there's that sense of warmth silly things that you see on Twitter when there's the, the club, club release the photos of Henderson and Lucas playing games with each other <laughs> there genuinely appears to be a, a collegiate fun attitude yeah. at Liverpool and as I say I hope around the Merseyside derby what doesn't start happening is because it'll be deemed a big pressure game and people will start getting at people because I think for the first time at the moment I think Everton supporters feel as soft towards Liverpool as it's possible for them to yeah. feel. And I think that, you know, Liverpool supporters feel approximately as soft towards Everton as it's possible for them to feel. And it would be a shame to see anything get ramped up, not least because I think it'd be mutually dis- uh, dis- almost destructive for Liverpool and Everton at this stage to start ramping anything up, you know, to start giving mm. big talk about anything. They should just be laughing things off and saying, you know, it's going to be a football match and there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser and, and that's that. Well, the big thing to, that's been removed from that ever happening again probably is Moyes. Uh, but the, the other thing is, that the fascinating thing about what you just said about uh, the, the psychological thing, and obviously we're, we're fickle as football fans all of the time, but the, the thing that really interests me about what you just said about the psychology of A. Suarez and, and Sturridge looking at peace with himself and being in his surroundings at Liverpool is... That has nothing at all to do with fans. So, you know, like you say, you can come out with as much jokes as you like about Rodgers, what he says, what he does. It's about what he's doing to those players. Yeah. And that, to me, I think it's probably immature if you start having a go at something like that. Like you've just mentioned about Martin's Day, that's something I didn't know. Something I'll probably go away and read and study and think about myself now. But, you know, you think of the impact that has on players rather than the saying to the man going, you're not good enough to play today because th- that's the essence of why players don't think of course yeah, you, I've decided that he's better than you at yeah. football for this very thing I want him to do he's better than you that's exactly what it is. exactly and, and, and for that I, th- I think it's I think you need to be have a bit more scope when, when you're looking at how managers treat the players in that, from that point of view but it, it's funny you mention about like uh, you know Henderson and Lucas playing games and that, that feel around the club that warmth I think you mentioned it's something I've always thought that Everton, Everton have done really well it's something that, that, that's always been really unique to Everton I've always thought when you see I mean at the under 21 game which was free to get into not just for the fans but I think he had uh, Dale Afeu Morales was there Martinez was there himself very it's a family thing isn't That's it important. I suppose yeah I- 
on, on that sort of tip last season, um, you know, there was a few. He sent Lucas out with scouts when yeah. Lucas was injured, and, and he, Lucas went out with 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 a scout mm. to watch Liverpool's forthcoming opponents and was asked to produce a report for the manager. And I think that you know that's interesting. That's a way of you keeping keeping the, that player involved, keeping his head switched yeah. on a player who wants to be engaged in all aspects of football, who watches his own performance again and again. You're giving him something that's not turning inwards either, something that that he can feel is constructive for the team and which is an outward enterprise and not just what do I have to do yeah. to get fit, what do I have to do to get better. It's, you know, let, let, let's let's be helpful. And I, it's the friendly derby again, Neil. I will, well, we'll see if it's the friendly derby. And I'm, I'm mildly <laughs> we'll be dis- singing Merseyside this well, time. I, I, I'm mildly disappointed. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm actually away for the all in the game beforehand and I, I'm, I'm probably going to let Andy Heaton deputise at which well, point. Well, we'll see. That'll put that, the proof will be in the pudding. Well, there. at which point it'll cease to be the friendly yeah. derby very quickly. Uh, Martin ends in there. Rogers will be ringing City talk. We're ringing Steve Hollisall tonight saying, don't let them do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, we can... I, I don't. I think it's more this sort of... It's just interesting that both of these managers who now have, you know, who are younger, who are less tainted and scarred by, I think, a lot of what's gone on in the past and who seem to have quite an open approach to their own football club, to their footballers, and now managing Liverpool and Everton. And, and, and crucially, and this is the key part, I think, they're both getting results yeah. right now. You know, there'll come a point in the near future where one or both won't, but they're both getting results right now. And I think that it's, you know, it's a, it's an interesting sort of moment when not just is it about them just getting results, but the manner of the football, both trying to play good football, both trying to do certain things in certain new ways. You know, it's interesting that that's happening at both Liverpool and Everton simultaneously. Mm. Yeah, it's it's wonderfully refreshing, isn't it? When I mean, I think I think I'm sick to the back teeth of. Moyes having petulant efforts at Suarez diving and well, things like that. I, I just, I just don't think there's any room for it anymore. I mean, I love rivalry. I love the banter. Like when Andy's going to be in here for the week or not, it's going <laughs> to be, it's going to be mayhem. But I, I love all that. But when you look at the cold light today and, and you've got two young guys who are trying to make the way as managers, it's really refreshing to see. Excellent stuff, okay then. So basically, um, two interesting, fascinating games next week. Very much looking forward to coming back and talking about them next Monday. I'm going to ask you for a prediction. I very rarely do that, both games. Oh, I think I think Liverpool will draw and I think, I think Everton will win. Excellent stuff. I am going to go with uh, with two draws. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. We've had the weather. Uh, we've had the weather. We've had all the football. We've touched on a great deal of Everton. So that, ladies and gentlemen, will be all in the game. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9.